This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. James, and if you get me at the wrong time, I'm a bitch on heels. Welcome along to Sissy That Pods, the RuPaul's Drag Race recap podcast, looking into All Stars, All Winners, Season 7. And this week, we are getting into Episode 11 Drag Race Gives Back Variety Extravaganza. Yet again, Keen is off on his holiday, so I'm riding solo. But in to keep me company and to give me all of the great feedback about what they thought about this season and Drag Race overall is Ed Roach, podcaster and Spin Southwest DJ. Before we get into the episode recap, which has been quite a divisive episode, a divisive episode for us to, to chit-chat about today. Uh, I wanted to let you know that you may have seen on social media that Sissy That Pod is going to be coming to Dublin Fringe. We are bringing a version of Snatch Game to Smock Alley in the second week of September. You can find out all the details on our social media. We'll be doing it in conjunction with Headstuff Podcast, phoning it in, an amazing improv podcast uh, that you can listen to whenever you are getting your podcast. You can check out the tickets are available on Dublin Fringe's website and give us a message. Let us know who you'd love to see uh, impersonated if there's anyone that you think deserves to to be roasted on the night and please try and come along it would be great to see as many of you out over the couple of days that we are out in smock alley and um, before we get into the show again sissy.pod is part of the headstuff podcast network we're a lovely tight-knit family and we always have to uplift talent so before we get into my chat with ed let's have a little clip from the world according to wikipedia another show that's available from the headstuff podcasting network The World According to Wikipedia is a podcast that dons an old-fashioned diving suit to take a deep dive into the depths of Wikipedia with your intrepid hosts, Rebecca and Fanula. Each episode, we will talk to someone from the Wikimedia community, exploring topics such as harnessing the viral meme potential of Wikipedia articles, why librarians are Wikipedia's biggest fans, how Wikimedians created the largest photography competition in the world ever, and why do some Wikimedians love soft toys so much? Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. Podcaster and broadcaster Ed Roach, thank you so much for popping in to chat to us about the penultimate episode of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars All-Winners Season 7. Tell me, how have you been enjoying this season? So, first of all, I've loved this season. Um, I thought every week was just so much fun, you know? I, like, yeah. I laughed my ass off almost every week. Um, specifically, I think The Roast, uh, it's a personal favourite of mine. I love mm-hmm. that episode. Um, but overall, it kind of felt like it's been a one-horse race um, at certain points. Yeah. But I think I'm okay with that because I like the horse that was leading, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like this episode that we're about to chat with, the latest one, it just threw me big time, you know, it threw me way off. 
yeah, I, I, I mean, we'll get into all of that in 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 a bit because it it has it's 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 divided reaction on on the internet definitely, and I think for some people it's kind of undermined an awful lot of the quality of the the last couple of episodes by seeming to kind of give a massive advantage to someone. But um, but so going into this series, what's your your drag race history like? Was there anyone who you were meeting for the first time? Is there anyone that you were very excited to see back? So my drag race history is a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one because <laughs> I literally came out about three plus years ago, okay. and whilst I was hidden away in that closet, I sort of didn't watch drag race as much as I really wanted to. Um, I was sort of afraid in case I'd get caught or that somebody <laughs> would see that it was my last viewed on Netflix or that kind of thing. So. My history of Drag Race stems back to years ago, and I forget the season. I really do, but it was one of the early ones. Yeah. And I remember watching it. Um, Raven, Simone, right? Raven? Oh, Raven. So it would have been season two. Yeah. Very, yeah. very early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was my first like season ever watching was Raven. And I remember thinking, wow, like Raven's amazing. Um, and then I just never watched it up until literally, as I said, two, three years ago. And... The pandemic was amazing for me because I binged every single season during that <laughs> pandemic. And now what's happened to me is I can't distinguish what season six was or season seven or season eight because I literally binged them all in such a short yeah. space of time. Um, uh, to be, I, I think so many people came. First of all, I, 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 it's so, it's so tragic that we do that to ourselves. This is, this is my RuPaul sort of, you know, we get to choose our family moments. But like, I know that feeling of like before you're about to come out, when or like when you, you know it yourself, and you're so afraid of doing anything at all that is going to yeah. give away the game. Like you're like, can I wear this like boldly patterned shirt, or will someone see it? But yeah, no, it is, it is funny though that you were like, I cannot watch Drag Race in case <laughs> I know. someone somehow happens to see that that the show that that a, a show will give it away. But yeah. uh, but also that pandemic viewing that like spur like you were very lucky to have that because honestly there was time going on in that second like January lockdown where I was like. I wish I could just start watching this all the, all the way from the start again. I wish I could. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then as well, on top of that, we had, you know, UK Drag Race sort of started around that yeah, time too. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, I was spoiled for choice. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so when it came, when it comes to, you know, this season, I guess, for me, again, I just kind of think, oh, which season were they or what season was that? But going into this season, I'm familiar with them all. Yeah. Um, I had some sort of personal favorites before it even started. Um, like I loved the Vivian from yeah. uh, from UK Drag Race, um, so I had really high expectations for for the Viv. Um, sadly for me, they just didn't come to fruition. Not until un I, until later in the season, though. I do think that the Vivian and she kind of referenced it a little bit in her Tic Tac chat with 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 Rue that there was an anxiety at the beginning of not measuring up. And I think we saw that. And it was good that they acknowledged it because I think the last couple of challenges, she is like, like stormed away with us. Like it is, for me, she is the true robbed queen of, of All-Star 7. Really? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Okay, well, look, I'll tell you what, before we get into this. So rather than talk, because not a whole heap really happened in terms of the 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 um, the pattern of the, the episode. So what we might just go through is each queen will go through their performance. We'll go to their Tic Tac lunch. We'll have a little bit of chat about anything that else that we feel is necessary. And then as it comes up, we will get into the unfolding drama of the additional legendary legend stars that were doled out um, across the world. <laughs> so we will start with Miss Trinity the Tuck or just Trinity Taylor. Uh, she did a kind of, I, I, 
a, a talk rap sassy southern kind of original song that was very much in the formula of every other drag race talk rap kind of last song. What did you make of her performance? So she was first up, right, in the, in the order, yeah. I feel. Um, and I remember just before she came on, the credits roll and you see this big, bright text and it's variety. And I just thought, I feel like I've seen this before. You know, it just <laughs> wasn't uh, as varied as I was hoping. It was okay, but it wasn't a winning performance. And I just thought, she is so much better than that. You know, I feel like we've seen her do so much better than that. No, I think I think so. Like she she leaned, she knew what her lane was. She was leaning into that sort of sexy comedy mashup that she does really well. It was laden down in cliches and those kind of one-liners that Rue likes. It was a it was a sort of a phoned-in performance for me. Um, and from a queen who has been strong all season, but I feel like has never really kind of like taken the like has never really become the front runner I would have expected her to be. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Now, I have to say, I really do like Trinity. And yeah. Trinity would have been, um, because I was already predicting my top four. So Trinity yeah. was there. Trinity was there for me. Um, however, when I saw that performance, I thought, I think she's just lost it. Um, the most exciting thing was probably the the water or lemonade or whatever it was being thrown Sweet over tea. her. Yeah. Sweet tea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, the performance, no pun intended, but it was a bit wet. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a bit. It was a bit of a damp squib. Um, yeah. And I think that like she relied a lot on having the backing dancers and stuff. And it was funny, but it was. It wasn't at that next level you want for the all winners when you see. And I think that for me coming into to say Evie next as well, a lot of the queens with their original songs went a very self-referential. This is my journey on Drag Race route, and I feel like that wasn't very successful here because. We've seen it before. We've heard it before. We've had it a hundred times before. But so Evie was up next with a love letter to her lost skills or to the abilities that she she's no longer going to be able to 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 to, to carry on doing with the degenerative degenerative disease that, that she has. I didn't love this, but I found her story in this episode very compelling. Her conversation with Rue about the um, about the domestic abuse that she'd experienced and the fact that she is watching her sort of physicality and that thing that makes her very unique as a queen, kind of like losing those skills. What did you think about her? So I, when I saw the lineup initially in the start of days and I saw that Evie was there, I literally just jumped for joy because I'm a huge Evie fan. Um, and I felt, I feel like... She went in there totally underrated in the season. I feel like people just wrote her off. Um, so I was really championing Evie for the for the whole season. Um, the performance, again, a bit like Trinity. I just thought, mm, I'm not so mm. sure. I felt like they were throwing it away, sort of. Um, however, the the chat, um, like I was crying. I'm, I'm, I can't lie about that. I would cry at the drop of a hat. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I actually think... In one way, it was sort of a great episode for her. I feel like we all sort of got to know her just a little bit better, her story, her background. And actually, maybe for non-fans, they may have become fans knowing her situation. I have to say, we've been waiting all season to have someone come in unashamedly and be like, I'm a supporter of Evie. I was excited to see Evie there. Because you are right. She came into this as sort of like an underdog. Like season 11 never really gets remembered as being one of the classics. It it sort of is a bit overlooked. Her herself kind of 
was never really that beloved as a winner. And I, I, I have really fallen in love with her this season. She was a queen that I was less excited about coming into this, but I have left so much more invested in. She was so vulnerable in, in the way she spoke about the, the challenges that she's faced in her life and so vulnerable about the challenges that she is facing. You couldn't help but fall in love with her. Like, I feel like she is going to be the biggest benefactor in, ter- in terms of fan love coming mm. out of this, of the, of this series. Mm-hmm. And can we also just talk, um, probably skipping forward slightly, but the look um, oh, after. I yes. loved it. It reminded me of Steps, Deeper Shade of Blue. I absolutely see that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was thinking that 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 the like the villain from um, The Incredibles, that kind of uh, that kind of look <laughs> as well. But it was it was very that kind of like cartoon hero style step style of of of, um, of, of video thing. I loved it. I, I would have loved to see her actually lip sync in that outfit, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, it would, it would have, it would have been absolutely brilliant. And um, next up was Jada doing her sort of very standard drag race lip sync. The look over there, relying on catchphrases. Jada, the thing that I that stood out for me in this episode, for around Jada in particular, was in her Tic Tac lunch. They're having the conversation about her coming back to kind of, you know, sort of show more of herself, be more of herself, authentically kind of, you know, express who Jada is without ever mentioning the massive elephant in the room that her season was completely overshadowed and her win was totally overshadowed by like a sex scandal or like a, a, an abuse scandal. And mm. I, I I sort of wish they'd leaned into that and actually had that conversation and acknowledged the fact that her win had been somewhat like undermined and she had suffered from not being seen as a, a real winner because of that and the pandemic, of course. Yeah, I think what surprised me about Jada's chat was that, you know, she mentioned that, you know, the trousers, do you remember that? The, the yes, trousers with yeah. the stars on and that she sort of um, has never felt more comfortable and stuff like that. So I thought that was quite a quite a nice circular moment that she suddenly found herself in all stars as opposed to previous seasons um i preferred her chat more than i preferred her performance i thought yeah yeah i don't know i i mean i think if you, you we, we've 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 watched enough drag race at this point to know that you're gonna get if you get a rap at the end of the season it's going to be like this is my name i'm a boss bitch here is my catchphrase now I'm going to say something sassy. Like, it's just like the building. Look over there. Exactly. (laughs) The the, the building blocks of a drag race chorus. Like someone could literally teach us. Like um, they could get, they could get a Lucian Piani type in just to teach how to write your drag race chorus to drag queens. But yeah, I, I really have loved her in this season as a presence. I don't know that I've really loved her so much as a, as a competitor. She obviously was the unlucky queen who had the three stars but didn't get chosen to be in the finale. I personally feel like that was a fair choice in the way that it shook down. What about you? So I was so unsure whether or not she was even in my like top four because it's sort of, I, I, I changed all the time. I love yeah. her as a personality and as a person. And I feel like out of them all, I feel like that's the drag queen I'd want to have a drink with, you know? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't know if that's the drag queen I'd want to spend a fortune watching a, a one girl show with. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think if you put the line above the queens there, she is probably the one out of them that I'm like, you, you seem like a wonderful person. You're very funny, but I don't know that I'd necessarily be that interested in going to see mm-hmm. your show. 
because yeah. I don't like you have like she hasn't maybe necessarily shown us that there is a unique thing. Like if you think of Trinity or Evie or Jinx or Raja, there's a unique performance ability that they have that really elevates them that you'll be like, oh, I want to go see them do this. Whereas with with Jada, as beautiful and as wonderful as she is, maybe there wasn't something that just was sort of capturing that imagination. And again, just because it was, you know, the uh, the semi-final, as I call it, the second last episode, <laughs> I was expecting this variety show. So far, we've had three queens now who've pretty much lip-synced, yeah. you know? Uh, and to, be fair, to be fair as well, that, that is a problem with this the with this um, talent show or the variety show, as they call it, is that it does end up being really one note because all the queens come out knowing... I can stick this song up on Spotify afterwards. I can get a couple of streams. I can make a bit of money out of it. If I do something, if I do something like if I do juggling, if I do some, you know, acrobatics, I'm not going to make anything else off it. And it does end up being kind of dull viewing, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, we'll get to the other queens in a while, but that's why certain other queens just stood out because they sang live or they did something maybe that we've not seen before. Um, and I get it. I get drag as an art and as a performance, you know, and lip syncing yeah. is a massive part of it. But I feel like this was their kind of one opportunity to sort of go in a different lane. And yeah. some didn't do that. Yeah, and, and I do think partly the show has itself to blame for that because in the past all-star talent shows, they haven't really rewarded those queens that have done stuff that's different to the the, the kind of, you know, singing or lip syncing a song. Like if you think back to two, my two sort of favourite of the talent show performances of, of like any of the all-stars would have been when Mariah did that sort of spoken word Black Lives Matter with the bloody hands on the window. And then when Gia Gunn did that sort of traditional dance the kabuki theater dancing and, and even then like manila doing the the painting and and um oh my god i can't remember who it was now but someone else did oh the 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 the, uh, the making of the dress and stuff you don't yeah. they don't necessarily get sort of they, they don't get the attention or they don't get the the wins in the same way that some of these songs do so i think people are probably thinking well what you need to do to win is just write a kind of a a catchy song and dance and then that's what the judges will like and maybe that is what the judges will like, you know, maybe that's why they're there and we're all here just critiquing and criticizing. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, this is exactly, this is, this is exactly it. <laughs> uh, and I know, I know this person isn't an all-star and I am totally again, rewinding the clock, but a performance that always stuck out for me um, very recently was Willow Pill with um, the bat. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And you that's know? what I was thinking actually. And to go to go back to Evie for a second, because that's what I was sort of thinking when like when she came out, I was thinking the two that came into my head to be two performances that were very similar, or not very similar, two performers who had a very similar energy would have been Willow Pill and say Jimbo on the versus the world thing. And you're putting the the performance that Evie did was kind of sanitized by comparison to the two of them. Like you had that crazy weird clown thing throwing the ham around. Then you had Enya and the like electrocution in the bath. And it's like, even though Evie had the jump out of the box moment at the beginning, it didn't really like, it didn't really add anything else to it. It didn't build to anywhere. Um, and I, I loved that, that Enya moment. I mean, when did we ever yeah. think we'd get Enya on the main stage of Drag Race? Honestly, I think it's my favorite moment ever. Like, <laughs> genuinely, I mean that. Like, I for me, that is my top drag race moment. Um, yeah, that that whole scene. But yeah, unfortunately, just you know, not no. Jada's week. That not not Jada's week. Um, next up was Jinx, and it, like you kind of were saying, I, I'm assuming that when you were saying this is a one horse race coming into it, and this is the one horse that we were all liking, that Jinx was who who you were you were referring to, or is that me making wild making wild assumptions? 
you'd be right. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the thing with Jinx is, you know, when I uh, binged all of the drag races, Jinx was always one that I really loved. Um, yeah. And I sort of never followed up on. I never followed Jinx on Instagram. I never thought about Jinx anymore other than that season. Yeah. And when I saw Jinx on the lineup, I thought, oh my God, it's Jinx. Like, yeah. again, I just got so excited. So I was a fan. Jinx did not let me down. Um, Jinx has really, really, really like just shone in this season. Um, is a one horse race, could be a very predictable winner. Uh, maybe there'll be more twists and turns to come. I'm not sure, but Jinx for me, yeah, is my champion. And I, I, I think it's, it's undeniable. She has just been so like, ta- she's so talented across the board and every single, with the exception of the design challenges, every single challenge that she's been put in she's been able to excel in and she's done it in such a way where she's been supporting other queens where she's been you know able to kind of give what you want in the talking heads like she kind of ticks every single box and i i think as well because she comes from she's one of that sort of like golden era winners four through six that kind of you never kind of thought you would see back again performing on the show so her having her in the lineup was almost just like amazing moment of like because I remember even as a as a drag race podcaster who's been speaking about nothing but drag race and podcasts for years like the idea the actual excitement brought back to me was like oh I'm going to be able to talk about something Jinx Monsoon is going to do on this season and I like I I have followed Jinx since she since she finished up and I I've seen a couple of her shows now the the, watch the cabaret kind of style of performance she gave today is very reminiscent of the shows she would do with her partner major scales that sort of vaudevillains cabaret 40s 50s style it was a fun song it was that same referential back to her own season how she's grown kind of a thing but it was done in a slightly different style i really enjoyed it and i i loved her powder blue jetsons look i mean (laughs) everything about this was really strong but I but I do think that there was two performances that were stronger than it. But I just was like going into next week and like Jinx is the front runner. But is she going to be able to win lip syncs against Shea Coulee and Monet exchanged? Well, that is the problem. And <laughs> I think for Jinx to potentially maybe win is to bring that comedy out, you know, because to me, yeah. yes, she's a, a classic queen and she's, you know, taking inspiration from the 40s and 50s, but she's funny. You know, she's yeah. really, really funny and she doesn't take herself too seriously. And that's what I love. Um, so I think in order for Jinx to win, really needs to pull out something special. And I really hope Jinx is thinking about that and thinking yeah. about the performance. Um, but Jinx to me really has just been the star of this year. And you know what? Maybe a lot of people will agree and maybe they'll disagree. Um, and maybe people like to back an underdog. So therefore might not want Jinx to win for that exact reason. But you know, when I think back to like the roast, for example, Jinx was just unbelievable at that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I completely like. I think that you can tell something when you start seeing clips sort of appear in like Twitter threads related to completely other topics, all the way over in heterosexual Twitter, and like <laughs> that's that's how far out her Judy Garland um, moment on Snatch Game sort of went. Yeah. And, and if you think about like how iconic that was and how she managed to do it again in the roast and in the sort of the that the the other honors thing, I can't remember what it was. Like she she managed to and she has had her consistent character right the way through. She she you know exactly what you're gonna get if you go see a Jinx Monsoon Monsoon show. I, I, yeah, I I would like them to I think in order to favor her next week, they would need to do some talk, some spoken word performances or some spoken word lip syncs what was your opinion on the spoken word lip sync actually because that was very unexpected um what do you mean spoken word 
the spoken word let's take a couple of weeks ago where they did the designing women between Monet and Jinx actually they did that so it was like a clip from a movie rather than uh, rather than the music do you know what I'll be honest with you James I mean I've seen it it sort of doesn't didn't resonate with me if I'm honest with you as a viewer so yeah. therefore maybe I didn't think too much of it I think um, that speaks volumes <laughs> you know what I mean I'm like when did that happen yeah. um you know, I listened actually to your to the previous episode and you had mentioned about, you know, um, lip syncing and spoken words and all that. And, and yeah. for me, I think when it comes to drag race, specifically in American culture, I guess, it's very hard to pinpoint stuff because, you know, when we think of spoken words, we do think of EastEnders or we do think of, you know, reality yeah. TV. For America, I was trying to think and the only things I could think of were maybe like a scene from Mean Girls or something like that that could really stand out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But yeah, it didn't really stick in my head, unfortunately. So therefore, it probably wasn't that well, great. That, but I do think that they're going to need to do something. Because if you if you remember in season five, they had a moment where Jinx arrived in the bottom. And apparently, Drag Race lore, Willem has given it a seal of approval. They changed the lip sync song last minute to that like Malambo number five, kind of really much more suiting her kind of style. Because, you know, as we saw two weeks ago, Jinx Monsoon, Jinx Monsoon is not the sort of queen who can lip sync to Ava Max. You know, I think no. if, if if we're going to be getting like another Kylie Minogue next week, I don't know how she's going to manage it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Some of the songs have been really questionable. Um, and not just this season, for a lot of seasons. Yeah. Sometimes there's random ones thrown in there and I'm just like, have the record company paid for this song to be featured on the show? Because that is not something that I would be picking like ever. No. And I think that like when you when the this show gets it right, when it manages to pick like an obscure queer classic from days gone by or something you would never have anticipated hearing, the fans go nuts for it. People absolutely love it. Like you just think of it that 100 percent pure love, Crystal Waters, like that, like completely revived by that Denali lip sync. And even earlier this season where they did that weird old McDonald lip sync, mm -hmm. like that's something you remember, but like we don't need 7,000 Dua Lipas. Like, we just don't. <laughs> no, we don't. And you know what? You know what we don't need? We don't need, uh, I speak for myself here, I don't need um, a lot of new tunes. A lot of them have been really, like, really recent hits. And I yeah. sort of feel like, first of all, it's Drag Race. Secondly, it's an All-Stars. So, you know what? When I think of All-Stars, I think of Divas. And that's what I want to see. I want to see yeah. your classic... Your classic Whitney's, your Britney's, your Mariah's, you know, your JLo's, whatever it is, or something off the beaten track, totally obscure that you would never even think of. I completely agree with you. And I, and I do think there probably is an element of, you know, record companies who are trying to create the next big thing or the next sort of, you know, they want to have the next Charlie XCX on their hands. They're like, right, we'll get the lip sync in there on, on Drag Race and, and the young queers will go mad for it. But I, I don't <laughs> think there's, there isn't magic with lip syncs unless it's a song that really connects and is really unique. And you're right. Like if I think like my favorite lip sync of all time on, on Drag Race was when Priyanka on Drag Race Canada season one lip sync to I Drove All Night by Celine Dion. And it was like, yeah, like that's when you go back again and watch like that. Yeah. You, you're not you're you're not going back again to watch any of the four times that physical by Dua Lipa has been. I'm really ragging on Dua Lipa. <laughs> I should mention that Future Nostalgia is a brilliant album and I really enjoy her. I just don't think we needed to hear as much from her on Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not on next week's episode. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. We don't want her on next week's episode. <laughs> no i totally agree i totally agree um yeah there's no more there's more no more that i think that we can say on that but um no. 
But before yeah. before we move on to the next queen, actually, I wanted to, to go into the, the Tic Tac lunches were by and large kind of a little bit forgettable. There wasn't a huge amount other than, than Evie to talk about. But it was interesting to see in Jinx's that we had a very emotional moment from Rue about sort of their sobriety journey and you don't normally see that side of Rue. Rue doesn't let that out all that often. So did you find that authentic or did you think that that felt a bit forced? Oh, controversial, James. Um, I maybe really gullible, really thought it was authentic. Um, I fell hook, line and sinker for that one. I did. I really did. Um, now, when Rue cries, I love watching Rue cry because it's really yeah. over top and it's really dramatic and I'm here for it um whether she put that on for cameras I'm not so sure but I did I I thought it was authentic but I have to I I agree with you in terms of the chats I feel like they were really rushed really watered down and actually maybe this episode as a whole almost tried to squeeze way too much in yeah um and therefore didn't have it sort of the full impact that maybe it could have had. Because do you remember previous episodes when Rue um, and Michelle would do the, the podcast? Yes, I do. They'd sit down and they'd talk and the conversations were a lot longer and I just felt these were bite-sized. Yeah, now I do I do think that because there's eight queens getting to have, having eight queens having to do their conversation, their performance, their, get their critique, like there was a lot to squeeze in and they, like it wasn't, it was maybe like an hour and five minutes. So it wasn't, you know, they didn't give it that extra like 20 minutes you sometimes get at the end of Love Island when there's a, a dramatic recoupling on the, on the horizon. But it, it, it sort of was a lot to fit in. And I felt like you didn't necessarily... Now, working for an NGO myself, I know how valuable seeing and hearing yourself promoted in a uh, in a massive media landscape is. But I don't think we necessarily needed to know who the charity selected by all of the queens were. I think that, you know, kind of there could have been another way of displaying that because it, it took up time in each of the conversations, the Tic Tac lunches, whereas I go. And it was it was brilliant to see that them, there was such an array of of charities doing amazing work for queer and trans and black people and historically marginalized groups, like wonderful, amazing that those charities were all going to get the 10 grand for, from each of them. But I just felt like it ended up being very formulaic because it was like, oh, OK, so here is one thing from your previous season. What charity are you picking? OK, now off you go. And you didn't really get to dig in with the actual queen. Yeah, I mean, we sort of were very... I say surface level for a lot of them, but, you know, there was the exception with a couple of chats that we got a little bit deeper. But for me, then, when you go that deep, I want to go even deeper. And I just yeah. feel like we probably didn't go there. Um, but you just reminded me of something that, off on a side note, but, you know, you mentioned that we didn't necessarily need to, to get all that information. For me, what I felt throughout the whole season, what I really wanted, and it never happened, was, you know, when a queen would appear on screen yeah, and their name was there, I just wanted to see how many stars they had beside their name. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. And that would have been a fun little graphic to have up in each one. And it would have like brought more kind of, it would, have, it would have put more excitement behind the ideas of the Queens, like gaining these stars and having it growing and seeing the like who is in the lead and kind of creating more conversation about it. Because you kind of ultimately forgot about them. You know, like- You did, yeah. And, yeah. and in, in a way, so did the producers at the end. They were just like- <laughs> We'll have you, 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 and um, you. Yeah, yeah. you're going to star. You're going to star. You all going to star. Um, yeah, but that, that would be the one thing that, for me, the show could have done for yeah. a production value. You know, just as a viewer, I just, again, found it a bit confusing sometimes because yeah. then we had, what was it, the plunger? There was a name. The on platinum that, right? plunger. Yeah, the platinum that plunger was that was actually covered in gold glitter. So, you know. 
yeah. <laughs> Someone in the props department uh, was was not doing their <laughs> their job. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. There was an awful lot of di- there was so much like extra shoved in around the edges, like your platinum plunger, and they could have like shown the stars so you had more of an idea of the leaderboard, or, or mm. like so you felt like as if that there was some kind of leaderboard. But anyway, on to someone who sat at the bottom of the leaderboard for the entire season, Miss Shea Coulee. She gave us a sort of an a, like 90s, sheer 90s perfection, Janet Jackson, Luther Vandross, as she said herself, with like just boss bitch energy all over the place. Absolutely iconic uh, choreography, the setup with the phone and everything. Like, it was just like it was it, it was it was brilliant. And it, it was not a self-referential. It was an original track that was just an original track. It could have been on a, on a Jesse Weir album or any of those Disco Diva albums that's come out in the last while and you would have been like, this is a banger. What do you think? I hated it. No! I'm kidding. I loved it. I loved it. No, I, <laughs> it was honestly, it was so good. I rewatched it like I think five times already. Yeah. Um, because when she came on, I just thought, Oh, she's bringing it. Like, this is the performance that we need at this moment in time, you know? Um, Janet Jackson was the first artist that came to mind when, when she rocked on that stage, and she delivered. Yeah. No, she, she did, absolutely. And, and so, like, just to, to get into the, the, the jiggery-pokery of the, the stars. So Shay obviously walks into this episode as sort of a defeated queen. She is ready to pack up her bags and go home. She's going to sit there and support her sisters. But then suddenly there's the three stars on the horizon for this. Their opinion has been divided about whether the prize of three stars allowing Shay move from the bottom to the top and into the final somehow undermines the last couple of weeks of competition. I have to say... I've gone back and forth on this and have landed on the fact that actually, you know what? It's fine. She did do well throughout the entire competition. She did win one challenge. And, and this is, you know, it, I, I feel like she deserves it. And after that performance, I'm like, I'm excited to see her in the competition next week. Where are you landing? The opposite side of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, don't give out to me. <laughs> Look, all credit where it's due. Um, it was... I would say it was the top performance of actually of the week, I would think, mm-hmm. to be fair. You know, I would. However, it is a competition and it's a competition that has lasted week on. I mean, this is what, episode 11? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we have to judge the whole competition. Otherwise, for me, it just undermines the other previous stars, to be yeah. fair. Um, and I'm not a fan of when game shows do this in real life. If I'm playing a board game, I don't like this whole thing of the person that answers the last question gets 1 million points. I'm like, <laughs> what is the point? Um, so I kind of felt like that with, with the stars here, you know, it's worth three stars. For me, I kind of feel like sometimes this is done by the production team and Rue. And actually, it's just an opportunity, I think, for Rue to sort of handpick who she wants in the final. Yes. I, I, I can agree with you on that. And I was trying to think like what way, if, if say the winners of this channel had challenge had just gotten one star each, you would have had like no denying Monet and Shay were the top two of the week. No denying that, I think. So then you would have had Shay on two stars. Monet would have been on three stars. And then you would have had, oh, actually, then you would have just had your top four. It would have been Jinx on four, Jada... Trinity and Monet. So there uh, you go, maybe. Am I right? 
I should have done my arithmetic before this. Well, I didn't go okay. to school for maths. <laughs> and I'm terrible at maths, but I have some notes, right? Because I knew I was like, I'm going to have to talk about this, but I don't have notes on all the stars. What I have is Jinx won five challenges and she's four stars. So automatically there. Yeah. Trinity has four wins, three stars. This was at the start of the episode. Yeah. Um, Shea Tule had one star, I believe. Yeah. Jada, am I right in saying, did Jada have three? Jada had three. Yeah. She um, won two challenges and got gifted one star by Jinx. Oh, it was the gift that, that threw me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even at that, being given a gift of a star, it's like, meh. Yeah. I can't mm. remember who, I think, did Trinity give, oh no, Raja gave her gifted star to Evie. Mm. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but look, for me, I'm a fan of them all. For me, Shea Coulet had an amazing performance. And I sort of feel like this could have been the episode where Shea left on a high. Um, but yeah, look, hey. I'm not going to argue with you. I do. I do think that there is going to be a certain amount of if Shay happens to win next week, then there. I think that this conversation about what the point of the whole season was will get a bit louder because people were like, "Well, why, you know, if this person could just lang, if this person could just sort of be." bubbling under the surface for the entire time and then come along and win what does it mean for the queens who put in so much work and i do think that the vivian who we'll get to in a minute is is probably the one who was most hard done by because she had four challenge wins or three challenge wins and had uh, two stars and has performed so strong throughout the rest of the show and you know really deserved that opportunity even to be considered for the, the we'll just actually let's just we'll skip Razor for the moment to go straight to the Vivian she did a uh, very I mean you know just announced yesterday that Eurovision will be taking place somewhere in the UK and the Vivian gave us what could be a pop perfect 80s Eurovision song called Bitch on I keep on going to say Bitch on Wheels which is a very different concept with bitch on heels, um, a leather and lace, leather and lace sort of mesh suit written by Diane Warren, who has written for such royalty as Samantha Mumba, Westlife, Claire Richards from Steps and Celine Dion and Mariah Carey as well. Plus has written all of Leanne Rimes's uh, big hits. Is that right? That is right. So this is, oh. she, the Viv was not messing around when she was like, I want to get something that's going to catch attention. Um, I felt like this was a really, I enjoyed this new, this song. I enjoyed this performance. It, I thought it was really strong. Her voice yeah. is spectacular. I agree. I have to say, I thought the song was really, really, really good. Her performance delivered. Um Unfortunately for me, again, you know, I have to look back at previous episodes. Um, going into it at the initial stages when the show started, I was a massive Viv fan. For me, the Viv never reached quite the heights that I thought she could have and that she displayed mm. on, on the UK drag race. Um, yes, this was a great performance. Again, for me, it wasn't a winning performance. Um, but I'd love to see the Viv for Eurovision. I mean, why not? Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's my that's my fingers are crossed now. Let's just hope that they, it goes that way for her. But I think she has had a unusual run in the competition, particularly because she came in such a strong favorite for challenges like Snatch Game, and her Snatch Game let people down massively. Like after coming off the back of that Donald Trump, like I think there was an expectation that she was just going to come out of the gate swinging as this comedy queen, and she was very. She was very guarded those first couple of weeks. Those first couple Mm -hmm. of episodes, she really did skirt under the surface. Mm -hmm. I I don't think she managed to maybe make up the ground she needed to, but 
like I think that there's there's no question now about whether the queens in the the queens coming from international franchises can go against so well some of the queens from some of the international franchises can go shoulder to shoulder with the US queens now I think she's definitely she's definitely proven that totally and you know what I never would have doubted the Viv and her ability and even now I don't I still think yeah. she's just as good um there was just always something missing with, with Viv for me in every episode. And I just don't know what that was. And there seemed to be, you know, not to bring down the tone of the, of the podcast here, but there seemed to be a sort of references quite often to Viv's weight, um, you know, gaining yeah. weight and putting on weight. And I'm just like, first of all, I didn't see any major difference, but it seemed to be just an underlying tone with the Viv that there was always a joke about her weight. And I'm, I'm just wondering, was she somewhat maybe a little bit insecure with the other Queens? Maybe. Is that what happened? I don't know. I have to say, I did notice that going through the going through the series. It came up in the roast, and it came up. And then she brought it up herself again this week. And I, like, I, I, I think that Drag Race one of the areas that it does need to sort of look at how it sort of talks to the community is around body image because it's a place that really sort of it, it highlights that very particular pick group body type as being like this is the only version of of attractiveness that exists in the gay community. Mm-hmm. And it then the queens salivate over that one. And every year you have your trade of the season who's picks, who's the person who most closely resembles that. And you do in roast and in reading challenges tend to get the same old tired fat jokes told again and again and again, which is fine if someone like if if a drag queen is on RuPaul's Drag Race, they probably have thick skin. They're probably able to laugh at themselves. They're happy to have those jokes largely told. But but so many people in our community suffer with eating disorders and suffer with body image issues that it's just a like it's a conversation that needs to be managed with a bit of respect. And I do think that it probably showed up the fact that Vivian does feel a bit anxious about her weight because she obviously has been on like a massive fitness and well-being journey prior to coming on this and so obviously that is something that is kind of sitting with her but I, I did think that was interesting as well that it, it came up a couple of times yeah and it never it was never fully discussed I guess it was just always there floating around but nobody yeah. digged into it too much um I think the Viv looks great and I'm a, I'm a massive fan of the Viv um I say the Viv, the Vivian, whatever she wants to uh, call herself. <laughs> However she wants to go by, that's fine. <laughs> the Viv is just shorter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, about the pit crew, again, totally agree. Like, I just want to see a pit crew with a big hairy chest, you know, a belly, like a fat ass. Like, why aren't we getting that? We just we get had, abs. We had one bear pit crew member and one trans pit crew member on, like, Drag Race Holland three years ago. And I was like, this is the beginning of something new. But then the next week, it was back to the same lineup of, like, I, I also, like, you know, it, that that body type, it, yeah, uh, the majority of people find that body type very attractive. And, and it is attractive. And there's nothing, there's, there's not coming for anyone who looks like that. I think it's, you know, if, if you're happy with your body and it looks like that, that's absolutely brilliant. What I'm saying is though that for a show that has a platform like this in a community where body image issues are so big, give us some more diversity. Bears are really fucking sexy, you know? <laughs> Try- <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. like like trans guys are gorgeous too. Like, give us a lineup yeah. that represents all of the sexy, sexy queer men that exist in our world. <laughs> you know, I, I I totally agree. And you know, here we are, and the focus, of course, should be on the queens. And I think yeah. we do, uh, on the most part, get quite a diverse group of queens. Yeah. Um, but there's more things happening. We're looking at the pit crew too, and I just want to see a bit of a shake up there as well. You know, just even for a couple of weeks. 
That's all. I'm exactly. Asking. Yeah, that's it. I mean, give us give us some some jelly that shakes as it walks out. That's all we want. <laughs> that is all we want. We're not asking for much. That is all. Just a little no. bit of jelly. Yeah. But to to jump back to someone whose jelly definitely doesn't shake, Raja gave us a, a gorgeous Balian inspired traditional dance that was sort of able to be performed by anyone across the the gender spectrum. I had very much compared this to Gia Gunn's Kabuki Theatre performance in All-Stars 4. And I don't think it was a favourable comparison because I did think that Gia's was was probably more controlled and, and, and a bit more beautiful. But the vulnerability she showed in talking about her mother who just passed and the sort of the, the freeness to be herself that her parents gave her, particularly coming from a very religious background. Like there was a lot of... of, of when Raja was originally on the show, she was such like a, you know ice cold bitch and we've seen such heart and warmth in her this season that it's hard not to just get swept up in this dance and this this performance from her I'm a massive Raja fan and I'm so sad what happened happened I mean it's a travesty to be honest yeah. with you um, Raja for me was almost like like Mother Earth you know like, yeah. she was the queen and I was only thinking during the week about like my dark mind went to this place. I was like, what if RuPaul died? Like, who would take over? <laughs> <laughs> and I actually thought, I was like, like, Raja would be a great sort of host. I could just imagine her sort of, you know, owning it. Um, yeah. But let's, yeah, let's just chat the performance for a second. I'll be honest with you, when I watched it, at, just when it started, I wasn't sure where this was going. I was like, okay, is this going to be funny? Are we getting some comedy here? Or is this mm-hmm. going to be like a, an authentic cultural dance to showcase uh you know who raja is and we got the latter and i'm okay with that you know i'm totally okay with that i thought it was a great platform for her to you know uh showcase uh her culture um it was good i actually fell in love with the dance more when i heard the story behind it yeah me me too like i i, I did like I, I as well as it you see such amazing choreography on on drag race that kind of when you see something like it obviously is a traditional performance that's been devised and developed over generations going back hundreds of years and has a very like significant part in, in, in raja's culture but i think looking at it as someone without context or an understanding about it it can be easy to just like I, to kind of just be like oh okay right that's not that exciting to look at um I, but I think, yeah, hearing it with the story added some more to it. I And I feel like as if, you know, I think I saw on, on, on Twitter that Raja mentioned that her mother had passed away maybe a week or two before she went into the competition. I feel like this performance is probably very personal in that it kind of linked back to her family. And maybe it was a performance done more for herself and for her family and for her sort of place in the world rather than for a place in the, the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star 7. Yeah, no, and I would agree with that. And I actually think that's, I think that's a bit of Raja. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know if even winning the show was all that important to Raja. I, I don't um, think so. I think you're right on that. Um, but I just really wanted her, if not to win, to at least be in the final because I just love Raja. Um, but yeah, the performance, maybe it's a bit of ignorance on my part, you know, not fully appreciating it. Um, and maybe as a viewer, I just wanted it to be camped up a little bit. But you know what? We have to say true to the dance and, 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 and true to the culture. Uh, now, I, I'm going to I'm going to say yes, but as, as any good improver will do also, I'm going to say that 
you know, this is a program that really like works in that like short form explosive kind of this is the thing. And I think that people don't take the time to sit with it. So doing something that requires a lot of kind of steps to understand or appreciate it is a very risky thing to do because you have to you have to lay the groundwork for people like meticulously. And I think that with this, as we both have sort of said, because neither of us were fully au fait with what it was or where it was coming from, or, you know, it, it, it took us hearing the story afterwards to kind of really appreciate it. But all that being said, Raja did look like a goddess. And I completely agree with you that if RuPaul is to suffer a tragic fracking accident back on the ranch, that I would, I would happily stick Raja <laughs> in to, to the next season. <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. Like Raja is a queen, like a hundred percent uh raja is 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 the queen so disappointed um at the yeah. result of what happened for raja but like we just said i don't know if raja even needed it i feel like raja has actually won the hearts of a nation after after that dance and that performance completely, so. completely. last up was monet exchange who gave us one of the probably the well other than raja the only bit of variety we got in this variety performance and probably one of the most spectacular and unexpected things I have ever seen on Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, it was so good, wasn't it? It, it um, was amazing. I, it was, it was just absolutely dazzling. Yeah. Well, when Monet said that she was going to sing opera, I actually thought she was taking the piss. I was like, she's not actually singing opera, is she? Um, and it was like she was possessed by Pavarotti. I absolutely I was like give give that person a cornetto or two like it was um it, it just as well I think because Monet has had like has that kind of real comedic kind of snarky sensibility you kind of half expected it to have some kind of like a I don't know like a nutty professor or kind of you know a some sort of a over-the-top comedic moment to it but it was so serious the staging was beautiful with all the dry ice and the little trellisy things and the flowers and it just was like her, even hearing her talking about how she never wanted to to use the opera because she felt like as if people wouldn't want to see a drag queen singing opera. Like it also gave us that little bit of vulnerability that we've been missing from her all season. Mm-hmm. And you know what we mentioned at the start about looking for variety, certainly money delivered on that. And I always think about, you know, what these queens can do after and. I'm certainly not slating, you know, um, drag as, as a culture, but sometimes it can get quite monotonous. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a lip sync. Um, why can't we have uh, an operatic drag queen that tours the world? You know, why can't Monet sell out venues and sing opera to a nation of people and to fans? And I would love that. I would love an operatic performance, you know, a, an hour and 20 minute show of yeah. Monet singing opera. Like it could totally be done. Why not? No, absolutely. And I think that like she has set herself up so well going into next week now. I mean, she has had such a strong, like a slow burn of a run on the show where kind of, you know, she was always there or thereabouts. But the last two weeks, she has come back really strongly with the way she's been she, with the performance she's given. And this was just so unexpected that it showed you a whole different skill set that you just didn't even think that she had. Because you've always looked at her as kind of being like, this is second rate Bob the Drag Queen. Now it's mm. like, oh no, this is like second rate Bob the Drag Queen and an opera star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do and have who... to say, I, I love I love Monet and Bob equally. <laughs> well, you know what? I was really surprised as to how deep um, Monet could go. Even like I'm trying to go that deep, and my voice just can't do that. No, well, I, I I've got I've got gay voice, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got gay laugh, so you're fine. <laughs> uh, you know, but big fan uh, again. Um, 
actually, let's talk about this very quickly because I'm confused. You might be able to settle uh, the answer here. How come two queens got three stars each? What do you mean? Did they not, or am I mistaken? No, they did. Yeah, but it's yeah. been the same all season. The top two queens have gotten two have gotten a star each. So that is true. Yeah. So so in this one, just the top two queens got three stars each. That's true. That um, just threw me there for a second when I was watching it. I just thought, huh. My mind just thought one was going to get three stars because they kind of always said, you know, somebody's going to get three stars. But. I would, I, I think it might have been, might have been more interesting if they had said kind of you get the one star each and then the winner of the one of the lip sync gets another star or something like that. So it kind of like was the stars weren't just default given. It was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. both of you get two stars, which would have put them both in kind of good running for the final. And then the winner of the lip sync got it. And that would have felt a bit more like they were earning the the, the last star. But anyway, mm-hmm. coming to the end of the season, what is your most memorable moment? What are you taking away? What's the thing you're going to go back and, and look up and watch again and again? What are you going to be most excited to get on the Miss Mojo, get to on the Miss Mojo countdown list? Oh, you know what? I actually love Trinity the Tux Snatch Game playing the overly camp devil. Um, yeah. Lucifer. I really enjoyed that. Like that mm-hmm. for me, such a moment. Um, I love the Total Request live performances. Titanic. So good. Oh, so, so good. And I have to say for me as well, Jinx's roast and Jinx's uh, valedictorian speech, both of them were so very, very funny. That weird story about getting run over by a taxi. I loved us. Yes. <laughs> it was so good. Um, oh, yeah. No, 100%. Look, the roast is always up there. I yeah. think uh, for me, the roast is always something I go back to, even on YouTube to watch. You know, just, exactly. It's just, it's a good 15 minutes of a laugh. It is. It is. And I mean, y- you don't get enough of the reading challenge. So I like when they have a roast as well. So you can just get to see the queens being mean to each other. Um, but so we get to the end of the episode. We have our top four with Shay, Monet, Jinx, and Trinity. Monet gets to pick between the two three current three star queens, and obviously goes with her twinner. Our bottom four are Evie, um, the Vivian, Raja, and Jada, and they will compete for fifty thousand euro or fifty thousand dollars in the she done already done had herses lip sync Lala Parisa. Who do you think is going to take that crown, and who do you think is going to take the main crown? Oh, um, I guess I'd like to see Raja maybe take that, but I don't know if she will. I think that's just because I like Raja, but I don't know. I don't know if Raja will take that home. I'd like to. The main crown, I think, Jinx Monsoon. Um, yeah, I would probably be very disappointed if Jinx didn't get it at this point, but because it's a lip sync, anything could happen. Exactly. I would like to see the Vivian and Jinx get the two crowns. I would be I, I would be most pleased with that. I would also be happy with Raja getting the she didn't already done had hers. Jinx is the clear winner for me in this season. I, I, I could see Shay doing very well in lip syncs because that is her forte. But we'll wait and see. Only one week to go. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for chatting to me, Ed. Tell me, where can people find you and listen to you? What are you doing? All the rest of us. Promote Just walk yourself. in the streets. Walk in the streets. You'll <laughs> find me anywhere. Um, yeah, on on Insta at Ed Roach underscore underscore. Um, 
Ed Roach was taken. It's by he's uh, some Canadian artist. Um, so, so give him a follow too. They, they... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not, not him. <laughs> uh, that's not me. Um, or, you know what? I've a podcast myself out at the moment. It's a it's a it's a show I made um, for a station I work for called Our Unique Tales. So I'd appreciate if people could give that a listen. Um, or you can catch me in the morning waking people up on Spin Southwest on a breakfast show. Gorgeous. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Something I forgot to mention during the chat with Ed about this episode was that we had a guest judge from one of my favourite current TV shows, Hacks. And I believe that that gives us one step, brings us one step closer to having the absolutely magnificent Megan Salter of high gay fame on, and we live for that. So that's it. The queens have done all they can do. We have our top four. We have our also ran four. Next week, we are getting two lip sync Lala Perusa smackdowns for the various crowns. Who do you think is going to be taking one home? Who do you want to see take one home? Are you happy with the, the multiple legendary legend stars that were given away this uh, this episode? Do you think Shea Coulee's bounce from the bottom to the top was fair? Let us know over on our Instagram at sissy.pod. Just at sissy.pod over on, on Instagram. And if you want to hear more from us or want to hear more of our bonus content, you can head over to podcast net, headstuffpodcastnetwork.com and become a supporter of the show over there for as little as five euro a month. Until next week, we will see you. We will love you. We will say bye bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.